Do you believe that the Bible is more than a book? Well, we're going to continue on that this morning. Um, Just real briefly, we've noticed a lot of things about the Word of God, that it is inerrant, that it is inspired, that uh, just an incredible process that this canon even came to us, how God has overseen that, and we looked at a number of things concerning that. And then we find that the Bible talks about itself and reveals some things about itself that then we come to know as being true. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's light. It helps us to see. It helps us to know some things. And church, follow on this so that we know where to step and where not to step. And when to step and when not to step. And it also says that in verse 130 that the entrance of your word brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. To the simple. That's us. It's ordinary people so that we could get some understanding of how do we do life? What, what do we do with, the, with this? And so the Bible being more than a book is light. It gives us light. It also gives us warnings. And we, we looked at this last week. The commandments of God show us what gives us life. It shows us what takes life away. If anyone's represented to you that the Bible is going to ruin all your fun, they've misrepresented Because what it's going to do is bring you joy. It's going to bring you peace. It's going to bring you fulfillment. And there are enough people in this room that have tried it both ways. That we we realize, you know what, God's way is the better way. That's the way of life. And so it is a warning to us. The Bible, the things that it tells us to do, is telling us to do those things because that will give you life. And the things it tells you don't do that. Again, it's not trying to ruin your fun. It's saying that will take life away from you. And so it's important that we understand that the Word of God also gives us warnings. And how many of you know that warnings are for prevention? And prevention is way better than rescue and recovery. And so we want, uh, we want God to warn us. And we also understand that it's actually God's mercy. It's God's love that He would warn us about things. Now, how many of you have driven right past the warning signs, so to speak, though? We've just marched right past them before. And we need to realize God loves you so much. He would warn you about things. And, and you know, you know, we all know when we're, when we're going past those things. But we need to pay better attention to that and allow the Word of God, which is more than a book, to be a warning for us because of the prevention and preservation it would bring into our life. I want to move on to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, this morning. We're going to look at a couple of other aspects of of the Bible this morning. In verse 4, Jesus is speaking. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Okay, and we're the branch. Everybody say, I'm the branch. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And the vine is Jesus. So they have to be connected. Neither can you unless you, the branch, abide in me, the vine. Jesus brings us out again in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he who abides in me, the Amplified Bible points out that you're vitally united. That means that connection, your life depends upon that connection. That uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. It's probably the biggest thing we need to know. Without him, we're sunk. The, good, the, the other end of that is I can do all things. 
through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. That's a whole other message for a whole other day. Verse 7, if you, say that's me. If, watch carefully. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. This is what happens in the life of the disciple. Now I want to go back to verse 7 here, and it says, If you abide in me, and my words, which are more than a book, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. I want, to, I want to read it one more time. I actually want you to read it with me. It says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, the word of God, which is more than a book, abiding in us, is a major key to answered prayer. It's a major key to answered prayer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will. You can ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Now we're going to go a little bit deep this morning. Everybody's, there's something for everybody today, okay? But we're going we're gonna to go a little bit deeper and I pray that those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Everybody's going to hear and receive on this. But we're going we're gonna to stack a few things here and move along. The importance of the Word of God abiding on the inside of us uh, is so vitally important because this is a major key to having answered prayer. How many of you know that prayer can change things? Amen. How many of you have ever had prayer change anything for you? How many know that prayer can change anything? Therefore, wouldn't it be true that prayer could change everything? And so we need to make sure that we're tapped into prayer right. And maybe you would suppose you probably have prayed something before and nothing ever happened because of where you were at in life or your approach to it all or whatever. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit today. But all of us want, need, and desire to have answered prayer. But his words must abide in us. His words must abide in us. If our prayers are to be effective. Now in this whole passage that I read in John 15. One word keeps surfacing and it's the word abide. Everybody say abide. And abide in the Greek here means a number of things. It means to remain. To stay. To continue. To settle down. To lodge. To live. It even carries the idea to marry. And so it's a permanent type of thing. And... There's a mutual abiding going on. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you. Go back to the word abide. Stay in me, I'll stay in you. Uh, I'll dwell in you. You dwell in me. And it's, it's continue in me. And I'll continue in you. It's not just, hey, it's Sunday. Or hey, it's uh, special meetings or whatever it would be. This is abiding. It's continuing. It's, it's to remain. And Jesus said that... If we abide in him and his words abide in us, that we could ask, we could pray what we needed to, and it would be, it would be done for us. Jesus abides in us. This is what I want you to get. Jesus abides in us 
by his words abiding in us. Jesus abides in us by his words abiding in us. Letting the word abide in us means that we're letting Jesus abide in us. Now, Jesus, uh, having the word in me is having Jesus in me. Now, he abides in us in a number of ways. He abides in us by the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. Where is Jesus right now? Okay, uh, he's at an amusement park near Orlando called Holy Land. He works four days a week there. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. He's been cited there. Uh, No, Jesus right now, and I remember a story of a little girl a few years ago. uh, Her grandpa actually told us about it. She was running, she fell down, and she got hurt. And he said, are you okay? And she goes, I'm okay, but I just didn't want Jesus to come out of my heart. So she thought, you know, he's like physically right, right there. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's constantly making intercession for you and for me. I'm so grateful for that. I said, I'm so grateful for that. That's why I tell you all the time, you're never alone and you're never without help. You've got Jesus, the Savior, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, pleading on our behalf. That's incredible. I said, that's incredible. So you may just want to cooperate with God on that. But Jesus is the Word, and I'm going to develop this out for you in a moment. He is the Word, and when His Word is in me, He is in me. Now, His actual person is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. But His Word is with us. Now, how many of you know that you and your word are one? You and your word are one. So it is possible that you could be in Albuquerque, your person, but you've left word and instructions back here for somebody to handle something for you. And that's you. You're here. You're saying you you left the instructions, the request. You left them here. Are you, are you with me? Where are you at? Well, you're really in both places. And you and your word are one, and you need to keep that unified. Well, Jesus, when his word abides in us, he abides in us. Now, let me go a little bit further. In John chapter 1, you need to know that Jesus is the word. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Then in 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, or these three agree. And so Jesus goes by a number of names. He's even called the great Amen. I mean, he's the Lamb. I mean, he's known by names all over the, all over the word. But you need to know that it is predominant and pointed out in a very preeminent place here that Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father who the word. 
The three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Word. Everybody say, Jesus is the Word. And so when you let Jesus' Word abide in you, you let Jesus himself abide in you. Well, I wanted a, a, a feeling. Well, I hope you get a feeling. You know, and I like a feeling now and then. Yeah, kind of like now. Yeah. I mean, we, we like when we have that a little emotional boost and, and some of those things. But you need to know this, and I'm not cussing here. Hell or high water? Dark or light? Clear or cloudy in your life? Jesus abides in me. Now, God abides in me by the person of his Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he lives in you. But he also abides in you. And this, this is such a key here. And especially the answered prayer and some other things we'll bump into here this morning. He abides in you by his word. So if I can get the word abiding in me, who is in me? Jesus, Jesus is in me. And so if I abide in him and his word abides in me, I can ask what I desire. And what will happen? It will happen. I said it will happen. Do y'all believe in answered prayer? Do you believe God's able to do this? Did you know that God has not had any uh, cutbacks in heaven? Sorry, I really wish I could help y'all. You know how things are lately. God can do anything. And we've got to connect with him right. And I'm telling you, your life can change. Things can change in your life if you'll get prayer happening right. And a major key to prayer happening right in your life is that you get the word of God abiding in you. All right. Jesus is the word. So to let his word abide in you is to let Jesus himself abide in you. Jesus lives in me by his word. Now. You don't welcome him into your life as just this silent guest who has no opinion, no wisdom, no background. You don't invite him into this quiet little place in your life. You invite him into the center of who you are as, as we sang the great I am who has wisdom, who has experience, who has some thoughts, who has some words, who has some principles, who has some commands who has authority, who has experience, who has all these things, you let him in and you let his words and his thoughts and his priorities and his principles be bigger than anybody else's, Amen. including your own. And see what happens in our life, what happens in our life is we have our thoughts, we have our words. We've been raised in certain ways. We've had certain things modeled for us. And so we approach things in a certain way. And then we get the word of God that comes to us. And sometimes they're going to run crosswise with each other. And you're wanting to handle a situation the way you've always seen it handled, the way you were taught to handle it. And now we've got the word of God in our life. And we've got to make a decision. And we're going to do it God's way or we're going to do it our way. And you know what we believe around here. There's two ways to do anything. God's way and any other way. And so what we have to do then is not let our tradition, so to speak, make the word of God of no effect in our life. And so what happens if we're going to have the word of God abide in us, 
then we have to treat it this way. We have to treat his word like words that are spoken by a living and present person. Because guess what? They are. His word, when it is abiding in you, are the words of a living and present person. And you need to weigh those things properly. They trump your thoughts. They trump your desires because these are his words and his words are more than a book. And be intentional about this. Be very intentional about relating and responding to his word as you go through life. Now, as we relate to his word in this way, we abide in the word and we absorb the word and get ready for this. When you let the word stay in you, abide in you, And you respond to it as if a living, present person who knows way more than you do is speaking to you about how to walk through life. When you do that, here's what's going to happen in your life. Change. Everybody say change. What changes? I'll tell you what changes. Your priorities and your desires. They change. They change. Now, over years of ministry, I've noticed this. That when a life really changes, when it actually changes, here's how you mark it. Not that they prayed a prayer, went to a class, sang a song. How you know that change has come to a person's life, real life change, is their priorities change. Their desires change. They don't want what they wanted before. That's not important to them anymore. When I was in sixth grade, our whole family got born again. In about a week's period of time. And that's another story for another day. My stepfather was an angry alcoholic. And when he got born again, and I watched him. Because he's a big guy. He's usually here first service. He wasn't here this morning. I watched him, and for years I watched him wrestle with smoking, anger, drinking, cursing. I mean, I watched watched all those things. And now, okay, family, we're going to church. And we went forward and we did all the stuff, you know, but this is, this is what spoke to me. Not that we prayed a prayer, went to a class, sang a song, but he changed. What he wanted before, he didn't want anymore. And it, his priorities changed. And here's where it shows up in what I call your T4, how he spent his time, his talent, his treasure, and his touch where before all those things were consumed with all these other things and addictions and preference and all of those things, all of that changed now. And he began to use his T4, so to speak, because his priorities changed, his desires changed. And that's how we know that real change happens in me and happens in you is when my desires change, when my priorities change in life. And when you let the word of God remain in you, And you respond to it, right? Are y'all tracking with me this morning? When you respond to it and you let the word of God, and I'll, I'll show you how to do this in a few moments here. When you let the word of God speak to you as you go through life, just like a living and present person who knows way more than you knew. And when you'll respond to that, I'll tell you what, your desires will start to change. Your priorities will start to change, the ones that need to change. And isn't it, a, isn't it interesting that the enemy of our soul has deceived us into desiring the things that actually destroy us? And so when we're without his light and when we're without his warnings and when we're without 
the word abiding in us. We want things. They're priority. They're desires in our life. And they're actually, they destroy us. And destroy the things around us. And that's because the devil hates your guts. So the change that happens in our life. Y'all here? You're listening so good. Scared me. The change of priorities and desires in our life does not happen instantaneously. You know, it's not like you get a new Bible and you get your name put on it. I am changed. No, you're not. You're on a good path. But that doesn't change you. It's progressive. It's not instant. It's progressive. It continues on. It's abiding. And it begins to reshape you. And over time, you're going to watch desires and priorities change. And they become in sync with his desires. Now, in James chapter 4, he addresses at least two problems with prayer. And the first one, you'll know if you've been around here any length of time. First problem with praying is what? We don't. And James said this, you do not have because you do not ask. And look at me. A lot of things you're worrying about, you just need to ask God about. I catch myself all the time thinking about it. I got to do this again. And then I just, oh, this is so much. And then just stop. Father, I need your help with this. Would you work this out? Would you help me find this? Would you help me get this done? Would you help me? And it's amazing. So the first and biggest problem with praying is we don't. Second problem that James highlights is this. We pray with the wrong motives. We pray with the wrong motives, desires. And so if we're desiring the wrong thing, we're going to be asking the wrong thing. And there's no way he's going to answer those prayers. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, how many of you know that it would be dangerous for God to just give you the desires of your heart if you don't delight yourself in the Lord? And so to delight yourself in the Lord means to make yourself soft and pliable to God. That's what happens when the word starts to condition your life. You start to become more soft and pliable to him and what he wants. And what he does, he will give you the desires of your heart. And the Hebrew there has the idea of he will create, he will cause what he's doing. He's producing a desire on the inside of you. And then when you have the right desires, he can give you those desires. He can, he can get behind that. You know, if one of my kids came to me and said, dad, I need 50 bucks. And I go for what? I want to buy a switchblade and some drugs. Well, how many of you know I'm not down with that? However, if they came and they said, dad, I need I need 50 bucks. Uh, what for? I want to buy something special for mom. I go, all right. Tell her where you got the money. <laughs> but God can't just grant any desire. Our desires have to line up with his desires. And what he's about. Then he can get behind that. He can't just grant any desire. Let me put it this way. If it's not on the menu, you can't get it. If it's not on the menu, we're asking for crazy stuff sometimes. God, help me with my bank robbery today. And make all my friends fat and give my ex stomach flu. I I mean, we get... Y'all with me? God can't help you with that. 
Even your worst enemies, you don't pray that. God said, bless them. And, you know, and, and we can't ask God to endorse and to answer, answer prayers about things that aren't on the menu. You know, even, even in preparation for services, one of the things I pray is, God, give me favor. Grant me favor with every person that would see and hear me today or as a result of today for the sake of the message. Or I could say, Jesus, help everybody like me. Well, that's not serving his purposes. That's catering to some kind of weird insecurity. But instead to just get lost in it all and say, God, put some favor on me so that I don't get in the way. And so somehow I can convey your message for the sake of your message because I know what your message will do for people. Well, then God can get behind that. And so what we have to do is order from the menu. Amen. In 1 John five fourteen. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, if we ask anything according to his will, if we ask for something that's on the menu, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. See, if we ask anything according to his will, his desires... If our desires will become his desires. Well, how do my desires become his desires? By letting the word of God abide in me. And when I let the word of God abide in me, when I get it in me and I respond to it in the right way, and I want you to hear this again, that I treat his words as words spoken by a living and present person who knows way more than I do. And I'll respond to that. You know what? Change starts to happen in my desires and in my direction in life. The word abiding in you conditions you and purifies you and adjusts you. And the word abiding in you is a key to answered prayer. Word and prayer, word and prayer are vitally united. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. I don't know if I know anybody that has a strong word life and has a bad prayer life. Or a person who has a great prayer life and has a bad word life. They go together. Said so they go together. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done for you. Now, how can we get the word to abide in us? Real quick, RPM. Everybody say RPM. RPM. How many of you know what RPMs are? Did you know on your dashboard, just about everybody, everybody's car, you got R, RPM. So this is going to remind you all the time. Number one R, read. That's amazing, isn't it? Told you we we're going to be deep today. <laughs> read. Everybody say read. read. You're going to have to get into the Bible. Amen. You say, well, and, and I am not joking one little bit here. But sometimes the system has failed us. Things have happened during our life. And, and I meet adults sometimes who cannot read. There are ways to learn to read. There are ways to learn, and it will change your life to do it. And if you have difficulties with that, reach out. We'll, we'll connect you with some people even. Uh, there's a number of issues. Make sure that you can read. There are a lot of ways to listen to the word too, but there's something about seeing it and reading it. It is so important. You're going to have to open the book. Again, you can't just get a fancy one and go, because that's going to be over in three seconds, okay? But you're going to have to open this up and listen to me. 
Read it. And don't just read it. Let it speak to you. And let me give you the number one way to understand the Bible. You ready? Read it slow. Just slow down. There are no trophies. There are no awards for I read the most. Big whoop tee doo I know people that read a lot, you know, and they're nasty. And so what we want is take your time. My mom always said, chew your food. Understand it. Ask God to help you as you read it. To understand. Lord, let it speak to me. So read. Everybody say read. read. Second one, R.P. Ponder. Everybody say ponder. ponder. What on earth is ponder? Think about it. It's to think about it. We do so many things that we just don't think about anymore. You know, I read a proverb every morning among some other readings. And I could, I've done that for probably three decades. And I could just, you know, just drive through it. And you've got to be careful that you are intentional about what could become automatic. That you put your heart in it and be intentional about what could become automatic. And take your time and think about it and mull over it and meditate on it and let your brain actually think and process. And again, you're not going to be able to do that if you go, I read 27 chapters today. Good for you. I'd rather you read two, three verses and chew your food and go, wow, wow. I'm all for reading through the Bible in a year or 10 years, whatever your pace is. But I'm telling you what, to get the living word of God and to let it speak to you and to think about it. Think about it. R, read, P, ponder. Thirdly, M, memorize. Ah, I can't memorize. Hush. Because you can. I said you can. I could, I could today tell you a bunch of complex things and you'd memorize them because you knew the reward at the end. If I said, I know where there's $12 million of gold bars. Don't write this down. Just commit this to memory. Not just going to learn it in your head. Put it in your heart. Okay, you need to do this at 2.15. You go there. You go to the bus station. Locker number such and such. Here's the combination. And they give it to you. And there'll be a guy there. And he's got a red carnation. And you talk to him. He's going to give you a key. And you go here. You, you know. And I could go through the whole thing. And I'm promising you'd memorize it. But here's how you'd memorize it. You go, slow down. Tell me that part again. Okay, say it again. What'd you say? And you go back and forth. What are you doing? You're pondering. And as you continue to do that and continue to do that, and, and what are you after? The prize. I said the prize. And there is a prize for this. And I'm telling you that if you'll do that, read the Word of God. When should you do that? Probably every other month. Once a quarter. Every day. Every day. Keep the Word with you. And I know I've been pushing this lately, but get your smartphone or some index cards one way or another and keep the word with you because you have to wait a lot, not in traffic, but in the doctor's office of this place or that place or whatever. Everybody else is on smoke break or whatever. You've got time. Just take your time. Whoa. And let it speak to you. Read, ponder, memorize it. Don't just memorize it. Learn it by heart. And as you get the word of God in you and you let it remain, and I'll say this one more time, then I'm going to wrap it up. And you treat those words as words spoken by a living and present person. Because he is. 
who knows way more than you do, because he does. And you let that rule in your life. You respond to that. That's the word of God abiding in you. And if you abide in him and his words abide in you, you can ask what you desire. Because it's on the menu. And it will be done for you. This is truly more than a book. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.